Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5 of As You Go, a podcast meant to encourage and disciple women who are daily trying to follow Jesus while balancing all of the things in their lives, like work, family, friendships, mental and physical health, and so much more. I'm Kathy, hosting alongside Miranda. Good morning, Miranda. And today we are joined by Rachel Miller. Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation. Uh, We have too. And today we're going to be kind of pressing into the topic of unmet longings um, and how we kind of navigate that in a way that's God glorifying. And so I'm excited because I think this is one of those topics that is just applicable to all women, even though our circumstances might be different. So Rachel, jump in and just start us off by telling us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your faith journey. Yeah, sure. So I had the privilege of being born to parents who preached the gospel to me literally from the time I was in the womb, I think. (laughs) (laughs) My entire life grew up in the church with very Christ-centered teaching, lots of Bible instruction, so very blessed in that regard. I was homeschooled, one of seven kids, and just fun and crazy chaos all the time. But, you know, like everybody, we had our our blind spots and our spiritual growth, and so part of that was really being involved in some communities that were hyper-legalistic, uber-conservative, at times like borderline cultish, I'll be honest. And so part of my family's journey, my journey— is taking that foundation of truth that I was given, that we were given, and learning what grace meant alongside that, truly understanding the gospel. And so honestly, like, although I came to know the Lord at a young age, I didn't really believe that He loved me, that I had an actual relationship with Him until I was 17, like right before I went to college, had this amazing encounter with God for the first time where I was like, not only did I really think that, believe that He loved me, but that He actually liked me, that He... He like desired to be with me. He made me. He thought I was fun and goofy and all the things about how he designed me. And so I would say from that moment on, my my relationship with him just took on a deeper, more intimate, more serious level. And so there's been ups and downs since then, since college and, and like navigating adulthood, 20s and 30s. But I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for that foundation. And quick overview of career. I moved to Tennessee three years ago, and I've been a words person my, my whole life. Right now, I'm currently doing speech writing, working with different authors and speakers to help them on their content and their talks. But before that, it's been all over the place. Before that, I was a Spanish teacher. I did some communications and marketing for a startup. So it's been quite a journey. But yeah, that's where I am today. And that's what brought me here. I love Tennessee. I love Nashville, (laughs) Franklin. Um, I met my husband three years ago when I moved here. We're newlyweds now. Six months ago, we got married and it's just been, it's been a dream. So, okay. So this is um, just off topic, but what is one of the biggest surprises about marriage? Oh my goodness. Well, we both, we're both in our thirties. We got married uh, you know, a little bit older, so we had time to set our own kind of rhythms and habits in life. And I, this is like a really good surprise, but my husband is the most, like he does so much around the house. Like I am Ooh. amazed at how much. Do tell. I yes. know, right? Like he's, he is always like getting up early and doing the laundry and the dishes. So like, I know that's a really odd thing to say, but I've just been like surprised at the dynamics of like how awesome he is. So it's that's, just been great. Oh, I mean, like, shout yeah, out to humble Mr. Brag. Miller right oh, he's here. The exactly. He's awesome. the best, but yeah, it's been really sweet. So that is awesome. Well, um, I know that you have a passion for um, those that have unmet longing, and that's we'll use that phrase throughout our whole conversation. Um, But how did God spark that for you throughout your journey? Yeah, great question. So 
I'll back up a little bit to answer that. Going back to kind of the formation and the the life I had growing up, um, not explicitly, but I, I felt like boxed in as a woman to all I saw around me were women who were staying at home, raising kids, homeschooling them, which is amazing work. It is so hard to do and it's so valuable, but I didn't have a vision for my life other than that. And so I just assumed my life would go a certain direction. I'd get married young. I'd start having babies. I'd teach them how to brew kombucha and it would like all just <laughs> be great. And I just, as I navigated my twenties, graduated from college, realized, oh, this is taking longer than I thought. This isn't going the way I thought it would. And um, if anybody is listening to this and they're out there in the, in the season of dating, I feel for you. It is hard. Mm-hmm. Our culture has a lot of brokenness in that area. And you have to go on a lot more dates than you think you will. And if, if you're in that season, it's taking longer than you thought. So that's where I found myself, you know, approaching 30, starting to freak out, starting to panic a little bit about the timeline. And of course, the global pandemic didn't help. So (laughs) everything shut down. And not only was I single and feeling lonely, but I was like, I'm going to die alone, you know, just in this season of escalating panic and fear, which drove me to start seeing a therapist. And um, one day I was calling my mom and talking to her about this, this this heaviness, this weight, like you said, this phrase, unmet longing is such, such a powerful, weighty thing that most of us have experienced at some point in our lives in a really acute way. And that's where I was. I felt like my soul was just bruised and things would happen. And I would just feel this like kind of shock of pain. I would get asked to be in another wedding. I would get Mm. another invitation to a a baby shower. I would see other people making strides in, in a way that I just felt left behind. And so I was just in a bad place. I was believing a lot of lies. I was struggling um, in my faith with the Lord. And God just took me on this journey to start writing about it, to start talking about Mm -hmm. it, to start asking for help more, and to readjust how I thought my life was going to go and to like lean into plan B. So yeah. Well, I'm just kind of interested what for you personally, what were some of those lies that you were tempted to believe as if they were true? As you experience rejection in dating. I think one of the big things for me was just like, what is wrong with me? Something is wrong with me. Um, I must be undesirable for any number of reasons. And and so that was a big one. It's just this feeling of shame and this, this heaviness. Another one was um, just feeling like what, it, this is one thing that I've discovered is that sometimes our bad theology, my bad understanding about God can cause spiritual suffering that's not necessary. So I mm-hmm. thought I had done everything right. I had checked all the boxes. I had been, you know, following God's plan for purity. I had been choosing guys with, you know, that aligned with my beliefs as a believer. And still it wasn't working. And I realized I had fallen into this, that same kind of legalistic mentality I, I had tried so hard to get out of. It's like, God, you owe me. I've done it your way. Why isn't this happening? So so just wrong perceptions about myself and about about God and truly just um, not seeing a way for me to find purpose and fulfillment other than these roles, which are good and which are God-given, but just struggling at times with bitterness over that and not understanding like there are things God is calling me to do in the meantime that are really wonderful. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's so relatable for so many of us that um, there's something that we're longing for that we are waiting, and just how do we how do we handle that in the waiting? Um, so we've talked a, a little bit about this idea of honoring God while also honoring our desires. Obviously, we're not talking about sinful desires. On the surface, that can sound 
counterintuitive to what we learn in Christian circles. Can you just talk about what you mean by that? Yeah. So everyone's experience is different, but I, I would think that a lot of people might have had an experience similar to mine in a very conservative, if you grew up in that environment where I was told to totally disregard my emotions, like I had no tools to really interact with the things I wanted and like understand um, that those things were pointing me towards something God-given. Now, I might choose to satisfy those things in a way that's not in God's plan. However, when it comes to honoring our desires, I think that we could do a better job of understanding like God designed us to function as a unified whole, to have spiritual, physical, emotional, social needs that are good, that are... One of the things I've been saying recently is like these things that we long for, for family, for purpose, for health, those are echoes of Eden. Like that's how we were designed to live before the fall. Like before anything bad ever happened, God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And so there, there, I think that a lot of people can feel shame over acknowledging, hey, I long for this thing. And because we're taught to just, you know, trust and obey and button up and tight, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's the environment I came from. Now, there are churches, and I think Christian circles, that overindulge those things, depending on the approach and, and kind of maybe a little bit more of a watered-down theology of suffering and different things where you're kind of taught you should have everything you want, which is not true. Like, we live in a fallen and frustrated world. But for me, it's been a healing process to honor, like, the desire to be married is good. And not everybody. You know, some people are single, and they're very content with that, and they have a a vision and a calling for their life. Most people, though, do long for that, and that's God-given. Most people do. If you're struggling with chronic illness, desire for healing is God-given, and one Mm. day that's going to happen for you. So just the tension of faith and of surrendering and at the same time being honest. Um, And I think it's amazing we have this picture of that happening in Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. The night before he was crucified, he came to God and he poured out his heart. He said, I don't want to do this. Like, I do not want to suffer and die on this cross. And yet he finished his prayer by saying, not my will, but yours Mm -hmm. be done. And that is the picture. That's the tension of being real, honoring what's inside of us, and ultimately coming to a place of surrender and of walking by faith. Mm, how, how do we keep those? Because I, I love how you're talking about these desires, like the desire to be married or the desire to have children. or And there's so many other things that we could long for that are God-honoring desires. So how? what are some maybe practical ways that we can keep ourselves still with that desire, but to where it's not consuming us to where we've come maybe filled with discontentment in where we are in the season that we're in. Yes. Wonderful, wonderful question. And this is like that tension of how do you stay there? How do you sit with something that you can't necessarily solve? You don't know if and when it's going to be solved. One of the frameworks that's been helpful for me that um, actually my therapist painted this picture for me was like, imagine yourself on a road trip of life. And this thing that you long for is a passenger in the car. It's there. It has a presence. It has Mm -hmm. a voice, but you have a choice over how much power you give it. Mm -hmm. Are you going to get out of the, of the driver's seat and let it take the wheel and let it run you into the ground and make bad decisions and create a sense of panic and anxiety in you? This frenetic, I've got to have what I want right now. Are you going to do that? Or are you going to like toss it out of the car and leave it behind and pretend like it doesn't exist and ignore it? Like a lot of women, uh, I guess people in general can tend to, if they have something they want and it's painful and it's uncomfortable, 
we can put it in a deep freezer and just pretend like it doesn't exist. So I would say one of the one of the things is to just develop a kind of like a relationship with that desire and let it be, let it exist. And yet remember, like God's put you in the driver's seat as a believer, you know, we're in the series of the fruit of the spirits. And like one of those is self-control. Like you don't have to be a victim to the things that you long for, even though sometimes it feels painful. It feels like, how am I going to get by if I never fill in the blank? Honor that, work through it, let it be, and then get back in the driver's seat. So that's one thing I would say. I think another thing is to, like things like journaling, really honest Mm -hmm. prayer. I call them holy, ugly cries. (laughs) You just get before God and you're just like incredibly honest about what you want. I love the story of Hannah and I guess it's 1 Samuel who was so, so desperate to have a child and she struggled with infertility. And she went to church and she cried so hard that the priest thought she was drunk. Like that kind mm-hmm. of level of, of prayer is so helpful. Um, and then, you know, ultimately submitting ourselves to the truth of God's word while our desires are legitimate, our emotions are not always like they're, they're not always accurate, you know, reflections of what the truth is. And so staying grounded in God's word is so important. That's good. And uh, you're right. Like our God gave us emotions um, and you can see the spectrum of emotions that God, Jesus, as he walked out this earth, experienced. But And so while they're good, they can be distorted by our own flesh and by our own sin. And so we have to kind of check our emotions and because they're so powerful. So I don't want to act on an emotion unless I have just asked the question, like, is this a God-honoring emotion for what's going on in my life? Mm-hmm. Um for you, so we talked about the lies. Um, what were the truths that um, you were able to combat those lies with? Yes. Oh my goodness. There, um, I think there's a book called Victory Over the Darkness by Neil. Can't remember his last name, but there's a. I remember there's a list in that book of identity mm-hmm. statements of who I am in Christ, and it's something I'll just flip open to that every once in a while and just you know meditate on those truths about you know I am chosen and I am beloved. God has good plans for me, even if they don't look the way I thought they would. So just reminding myself of who I am in Christ and his pursuit of me. And then too, like for me, it was also a process of unwinding, like I said, that picture of what I thought women, like the kind of box I had myself in. And so mm-hmm. learning, like I've been able to to do a lot of traveling and a lot more cool work things than I ever thought I would in my 20s. And so just like enjoying that season of what my life could look like and um, yeah, just exploring and having fun and and undoing a little bit of the framework I had for my life and where it would go. Like this is, I was limited in some ways and now I'm like, whoa, there's a lot more I can do, a lot of Mm -hmm. gifts that I can explore and, and have fun with and bless other people with. So I would say those are probably two of the biggest resources for me. You kind of answered this question, but I'm going to get you to expand on it just a Uh little bit. In your season of longing, and for you, I'm talking about like, I thought I was going to maybe be married or have kids or whatever by a certain time. Looking back on it, what did you get to experience about who God is um, during that time? Yes. Oh my goodness, that he's so faithful, like that he was just like, I think I developed a kind of friendship and trust that I wouldn't have otherwise if it if things had just kind of gone by, just zoomed by the way I thought they would, a, a dependence and a faith on him that developed. Because um, one of the things I, I say is that I, I long for, you know, I hope that everybody 
gets what they want ultimately. If it's a God-given desire, I hope you get the family. I hope you get healing. I hope you get all of those things that you're asking for. But how much better of a gift is it to have an unshakable trust? Mm-hmm. Like that no matter what you go through, that is the thing that you can always fall back on because you can get what you want and it can be taken away, you know? So ultimately, I would say that was the 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 gift that God gave me was just a level of trust and dependence and like throwing up my hands in the air and be like, okay, I don't know what's mm-hmm. what's happening, but I just need you to take control that I don't think I would have otherwise. Like if, if all these things happen, do I still trust him? Do I still believe that he's good, that he has my best interest at heart? So, and I think also the gift of compassion and empathy for people that like I, I feel, you know, my single girlfriends who are struggling in the dating, I'm like, yes, I know mm-hmm. I'm here just to listen. I can't fix it. I don't know how to fix it. But I think that that gift of being able to connect with people is really sweet as well. I do. love. I, I love that God gives us that, like as a part of our journey, he also allows us to connect with people where their story might resonate with ours or ours with yes. theirs. Yeah. Um, and so we have a special kind of compassion and empathy for them. Um, and also a beautiful opportunity to point them to the Lord and what he's taught us. Um, and I think that's what he calls us to do. And that's how he wants to use um, those hard places in our story. What advice would you give uh, for the woman out there who's listening, whose life doesn't look like what she thought it would? Yeah. I am fascinated by the tension between God's sovereignty and our responsibility and I think that's key. Like there's a lot of, there's a, a spectrum of, of where we kind of sit on that, like kind of laying back, well, God will take care of it. God will provide. And then the control freak, like I'm going to do everything I can. So I would say like, have grace with yourself. You're not going to get that balance perfectly right. But think about what you can control. Like if there are things that you want, like what can you be doing to take steps towards them? Like God has given you agency and a voice and an ability to make decisions about your life. Um, so I would say that, like what what's within your, your control and how can you get what you want or like start making steps in faith towards that. And then also just continually bringing it to the Lord and continually like asking him to bear that burden for you and with you. Another big piece of this is community, having people. I talked to one of my friends a couple days ago who has a chronic illness, and because of that, she's been it's been really hard to get pregnant. So she said, I have found amazing friends who don't get tired of me being sad. Mm-hmm. And I loved that. I said, that is so beautiful, like mm-hmm. finding friends who you can just be yourself with and um, who will be there to support you, who will also point you to the truth of God's word, who don't like wallow in that with you, but who who understand that what you're going through is a season and it's painful and it might be five years, it might be the rest of your life. And they're there for you no matter what. And they're not trying to fix you. They're just trying to, they're just being there with you. So asking for what you need in community, but also being that person for other people, like mm-hmm. going first and, and showing up for, you know, using your pain as a way to connect with someone else who might be going through the same thing like we were just talking about. But community is so important. I know there's, um, as I've been working on this topic and exploring it, there's just been so many people coming up to me and they're like, yes, like I've been, I didn't even know how to talk about these things, but now they have this kind of outlet to Mm -hmm. do so. And I think we are all facing this and to one degree or another. So just be brave and go first and talk about it. That's, that's so great. And I love how you have talked about that tension between honoring God and and being 
pointed towards him, but also allowing yourself to feel the emotion of it. Because if you don't work through that, you're not going to get to that place that you arrived at where you're content. So we've touched on this a little bit, but um, if you could expand a little bit more. Um, so we have, obviously, there are just so many examples of, of ways in which we as women have unmet longing. And we've talked about several of them. What advice do you have for the woman out there who has a friend, who has a family member, um, who is walking alongside someone who has that deep, unmet longing? And, and maybe what are some things to do and what are some things not to do? Oh, that's such a good question. <laughs> I I think one of the fun things I've asked started to ask women who are struggling with different things, I say, what is something that has been hurtful that someone has said or a question they've asked? And I've been just fascinated and entertained by all the answers. So that's a great place to start. Like ask a friend, hey, are there things that people have asked you or that they have said that have been painful to you that have not been helpful? So just be curious and ask them that question and see what they say. For me, like one of them, when I was, you know, approaching 30 and early 30s and people would say why aren't you married yet I was like I don't know like if I knew <laughs> you tell me. yeah you tell me like and I knew they meant it as like a compliment like you're great whatever why has no one picked you but but it just would stir up all of this shame and this like ah oh, like this panic there's something wrong with me kind of that lie going back to that so that was one for me it was like that's just not helpful like you know just so ask your friends this question I think about the verse in Romans where Paul just tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Like just simply being there and mirroring and saying, it's okay for you to be sad. And like, we'll sit here and cry and eat ice cream. Like Mm -hmm. just being there with them. And on the flip side, you might be in a season of unmet longing or your friend might be in the season of unmet longing that's really painful to do certain things. Like I mentioned earlier, maybe going to a baby shower So just understanding and honoring that dynamic and choosing to respect that if there are things they bow out of, like, that's okay. And they know what they need to be in a season of of healing. And at the same time, I would encourage people who feel like angst and fear and trepidation about going to those things or participating in those events, like sometimes you have to lay aside what you want in order to show up for your friends and be there and love them. Like I have a really good friend, a, a group of writers who we meet every other week to talk about our writing. And one of the girls in that group is struggling with, um, she's had a few miscarriages. It's a very hard and painful season. All the other girls are having babies except for me. And so she said, hey, you guys, I want you to know I am happy for you. I want to be part of the showers. I want to be there. I want to bring meals. I have, I am okay. And so she's done a lot of work on her end to own the pain, to deal with the pain. She's not ignoring it, but she is at a place where she can be open and participating in those things. That's so if you're not there, that's okay too. Like you might need to be in a season where you pull back and you do some healing. So just just asking your friends what they need and being sensitive to those things, not trying to fix it. Um, and and before you give advice, asking if they're open to it. And if it's a season where they, they may need to hear something, they may not need to hear something. So just being sensitive to all those things. I was always very grateful too when I was single. Like my friends that would like, hey, can I set you up with someone? Like help a girl out. You know, like if there if there is something tangible you can do, like go for that right. as well. Just being aware and sensitive to where they are. Right. That's good. I found myself, um, I got married really young and the Lord has... taught me so much by bringing so many women who will just sit across from me 
who are maybe struggling in their season of life or struggling with singleness. And um, so I just found it so important to be a student of theirs and, and say, tell me what that's like, you know, and then finding other women who had maybe found some healing from that and just teach me, teach me um, what that's like for you. you that know? is a great phrase to use. Teach me. Like, I want to understand what it's like, where you're coming from. And in general, the church, I think we can do a really better job of being okay with involving people in different life seasons than us. And that's a human tendency. We need friends who are going through the same stuff for sure. But for both people who are single, who are maybe single, a single parent who are, you know, divorced or widowed, like, asking a family to bring you in or, or family, like bring those people in. And just, um, we have some really good friends who were, they have four kids, like 10 years older than me and my husband, a different life phase, but they were family to him in Tennessee. They, like, he was just part of their family over there all the time. They're such a great example of what that looks like. So I think we could do a better job in general, both ways, like right. asking for that and offering that hospitality um, like, so what? You don't have kids. Like, go figure out what it's like to change a diaper. You know, it, c it can go both right. ways. So this is such an interesting topic to me. I think we could talk about it all day long. <laughs> yes, I agree. <laughs> um, but the next question I have is just looking forward for you. Obviously, you've had such an amazing journey and you're, you've worked through so much and, and um, have so much wisdom to share. What is next for Rachel? Yes. Well, uh, about a month ago, I signed a contract to publish a book on this topic. Incredible. So, yeah, thank you. Awesome. I'm working with a publisher in Texas. They're called Leafwood, and I'm so thrilled. I, I started writing all of my thoughts down, and I'll be honest, they started out very cynical and snarky, and then God like started to redeem them. So yeah, I'm about 60% done with my manuscript. Um, right now, the working title is Living with Unmet Longing, How to Trust God When You Don't Get What You Want. Mm. And I don't know if that's going to change. It might a little bit, but the book is, the manuscript's due in March. It should publish a year later in March 2024. So I am thrilled. I, I mean, this is like an answer to prayer. Like I just felt, I know this message and this thing, it's felt like it's had a life of its own inside of me. And so I'm just thankful that the Lord has provided somebody who wants to help bring it into the world. So I'm working on that. Um, I am like, I have no fancy schmancy marketing stuff at all, but like I'm on Instagram as Rachel. My handle is Rachel Sims, R-A-C-H-E-L-S-I-M-S. If people want to connect with me there, I'm going to be developing more things for people to follow along the book writing process. I just don't have that in place yet. But yeah, I'm writing a book. I'm very thrilled. And I'm just, you know, conversations like this with, with you, Miranda, and you, Kathy, like, this is what it's about. It's mm -hmm. about having these one-on-one -on -one connections. I've had lunch and coffee and conversations with so many women along the way, and it's just been a privilege. So I'm excited to gather all of these thoughts into one place to write something that will that will help people as they're facing these struggles. Right. Well, we cannot wait to read that. Absolutely. Well, could I pray for yes. you, Rachel? Oh, please. And then we will close out our time together. God, I thank you so much for who you are. You are so wonderful and so good. And I just thank you for um, everything that you have brought Rachel through, the both the good times and the bad. Lord, um, it's so obvious that you have been in it. Um, I just pray a blessing over her today, Father, that you would um, just open doors for her and um, that you would guide her path. Um, and Lord, I just thank you for her message of 
hope and uh, wisdom that she's bringing uh, for women. And I just thank you for this conversation today. Um, you are so good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you both so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for being here today, Rachel. And ladies, thank you for listening to season three of As You Go. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Have a great day. Bye.